If it's game time, it's Stokes time. Stokes Distributing Company of Hattiesburg, your distributors of great import, domestic, and craft beers, such as Miller, Abita, Coors, Heineken, and others, is a proud supporter of the New Orleans Saints and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Stokes Distributing would like to remind you to always use a designated driver. Have a good time at the game, but have a safe time as well. Stokes Distributing Company, Hattiesburg. Welcome to Daybreak with Ted Tibbet and Michael Paul. If you have a comment, you can call us now at 261-0898 or pound 981 on any ceasefire device. Our email is newsradiomornings at gmail.com. At 7.16, 16 minutes after 7 o'clock, it is Friday and he's back. We're honored to have, of course, Gene Valentino with us, Michael. Yeah, we're so happy. Uh, good morning, Gene. Are you there? Good morning, Michael. Oh, Hello, good, everybody. Good, good. Okay, so it worked perfect this time, Ted. So we got it. We finally got all this figured out. Yeah, I'm glad that you got it figured out. And, and Gene has got, uh, what, rainbows in his eyes? What all yeah, is he saying? Okay, so, so, you know, last week he went to... Uh, Northern Canada, it was one of his bucket list items to go see the Northern Lights. He and his wife went up there. So, Gene, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your experience and what it was like and all that stuff? Well, it's good to be back on Terra Firma, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It was just 24 hours ago uh, at this time. It was minus 30 degrees when we were coming down from Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories down to Calgary. Uh, which is the province of Alberta. And I'll tell you what, uh, over the last 24 hours, it's been a shedding process of taking clothes off as we made our way toward Atlanta to get back to the Gulf Coast. And I'll tell you, uh, it was one of those experiences I'd recommend everybody do, uh, uh, that everyone does at some point in their life, because uh, it really puts into perspective how beautiful this world is and how isolated and remote so many areas of this nation are. Take a look at the map. You know, when you look uh, at the province of the Northwest Territories and lay it over as best you can the, um, the, the stencil of the United States, you'll see that the Northwest Territories occupies almost half of the United States in terms of square miles. Wow. I, and I didn't guess know that. what? That, Michael, the population... 19, maybe 20,000 people in the village of Yellowknife and the remaining 40, uh, 20,000 people is the entire Northwest Territories. So you can imagine half of the United States having a population of 44, 45,000 people. My words, that's the size of Biloxi. <laughs> that's exactly right. And over, over a very large territory. I mean, that's huge if it's as big as the what, you say big as the half of the United States? Half of the United States, and it butts right up to the Arctic Circle. We were uh, less than 200 miles away from the Arctic Circle, and let me tell you, this is my first, it, you had, no pun intended, the chill come over your mind and body with the thought of being so isolated and remo- removed from anything going on in the world. It was such, but it was a beautiful experience. We saw wild lynx on our snowmobiles way out in the woods. We did not see a polar bear, but we saw all sorts of elk and moose 
uh, with paths, uh, their hoofs and their paths crossing, uh, their tracks crossing our snowmobile path. Is that uh, what you, you the, the video you sent me, is that what you were looking for? Well, it was an open wilderness tour that took us about 50 miles uh, out into the wilderness. I mean, these guys were carrying guns because we could have bumped into a polar bear. But um, the, this was a very remote, and we were we were uh, we were escorted by two Indians, uh, the uh, uh, the Dede, the Dede, uh, the Dede tribe, D E D E tribe of Indians. It's a it's a spinoff tribe of the Navajo Indians, and uh, they were very friendly. And oh boy, uh, watching them make a fire right on a uh, a slab of snow uh, and an open uh, barbecue uh, in the middle of nowhere it was just an interesting experience. And they opened up and talked about their Indian culture and their way of life. And, um, uh, you know, there's so much to learn from people who have a peace in their heart, a peace in their mind with um, their way of life. It was uh, very humbling. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, so besides the, the, how cold was it, by the way? Well, when we were on the actual snowmobile with the windshield, windshield, we had motorcycle type helmets on with the lens on the front of the uh, helmet, so that helped out. But it was uh, staving off a, a, a minus thirty degree temperature, and by noontime, one o'clock in the afternoon, uh, there's more light. The days are getting longer there now, but. At the at, when we were there, the it was only four to uh, five to six hours of sunlight, and we were getting um, thirty. We were minus thirty degrees Fahrenheit. Let me tell you, minus thirty degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's dangerously cold. That's that's life threatening if you're not proud. We went up there with what we thought was winter gear. They <laughs> laughed at us. We had a buy. We bought. We rented some winter gear that was. Um, uh, uh, Canadian goose material. It was yeah. so, it was, it was professional commercial grade stuff for deep sub-zero weather. You know, uh, of course, you know this, and some of the audience who has listened before know that I was stationed at Fort Wainwright in Alaska, which is pretty close to the same, uh, uh, you know, latitude that, uh, that you were at. And, uh, so, you know, I got there, and that's the first thing they do. They put you through a class to teach you about how you can die up there. It's so easy to die because the weather will kill you. Besides yeah. the fact that there are so many animals up there that want to kill and eat you as well. So yeah, that's you, true. You know, you know, so basically, it's it's a place for really tough people. And I remember they gave me some boots, and they call, we called them, I don't know, there's a proper name for them. But anybody who's been up there will know they're white boots, and they're called, we called them bunny boots. And they actually have a place where you can put air in them. You can pressurize them. And the air around your feet will keep your feet warm. It, it gives a sort of an insulation better than I've ever had. It's the best pair of warm boots I ever had. And so I have actually experienced this at a very young age when I was in the military at Fort Wainwright. So I've got, you know, I've gotten to see this, and of course the northern lights as well. I mean, that is one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen. 
Well, that was the box we wanted to check. And we were up at midnight to two in the morning catching the um, random flares of the northern lights coming. I recommend that to anybody. You want to check off some box on your to-do list of life, go up and check out the northern lights. You can go elsewhere toward Iceland and Norway and Sweden, but um, it is so clear here based on weather patterns. The northern lights uh, are, were cascading the skies and illuminating the skies at midnight and two in the morning. And um, uh, we had the privilege in our, in our uh, group to having a professional photographer from National Geographic with us. So he was actually up there with professional gear, and you know, we were following him around because we knew he knew what he was doing to try to get some good shots. And um, it was really quite an experience That's good to reach out and see people from different walks of life. So he was there for, uh, for the purpose of the, the Northern Lights or, or was just there for, for, for another purpose? Well, he was, he was escorting another group of family but he was also there for um, uh, to build his portfolio. And ironically, we hit it off, started talking. He he puts together a production, a, a video production of northern uh, of light shows, and then ties it to Philharmonic Symphony of music. So he has ironically been in touch with the Pensacola uh, 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 Symphony, and maybe making a stop into Pensacola from northern Canada. Uh, to um, uh, do a combined orchestrated light show with the music playing of the symphony in Pensacola in the months ahead. We'll see if we can pull that off. That would be amazing, and you'll have to keep us yeah. posted on that. That's a pretty incredible story. You know, when you travel, you never know who you're going to meet. And it, it's always interesting. I always love traveling because you do meet some very interesting people while you're out there traveling the world. And so I'm glad you had a good time. You know, Michael, just to transition, I also met an, a great couple from the um, Edmonton area, Edmonton, also in Alberta, Canada. Uh, and it turns out he almost sheepishly admits a few days into us socializing that he was a police officer, high-ranking police officer in, um, in Edmonton, and whispers to me, what's going on with you guys down in America? So much of our economy is being held hostage to some of the craziness going on down there. What can you do to correct some of the things going on? Because I never realized just how important the United States is to us up here in Canada. And then I've got another guy in our group who just retired from the Los Angeles Fire Department. He's up on the tour with us, and uh, he looks around, you know, kind of make sure no one's listening, and you know, I'm really a Trump supporter. How about you? <laughs> and he, and he's goes, he goes off. Yeah, he goes off with his narrative. Says these wackos in Los Angeles are driving me crazy. I had to retire. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the the problem that California's got, and and New York to a certain extent as well, is that they're losing the people who can actually make a difference for them and change their their uh, politics. They're moving to Florida. They're moving to Texas. They're moving to Tennessee. And, uh, you know, in fact, we even see them here. You know, you, you see them in Florida. We see them down here. We see them on the Gulf Coast. I mean, these people are moving. They're getting away from this craziness because they just can't put up with it anymore. And besides the fact that, you know, they're taking everything that they've got. They, they, there's no freedom. They take their money. They use it on stupid things. 
And so, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to California. I don't know what's going to happen to New York. But I can tell you this. The price of real estate in Florida is ridiculous right now. It's, it's such a, uh, an amazing thing. I mean, I was talking to a friend yeah. of mine yesterday who used to be in the furniture business. He retired, sold his business, and he, he's got a place down in uh, Sandestin, actually on, uh, what is it, 30A or something like that. And he was telling me that his property that he bought for like $200,000 10, 12 years ago is worth a million dollars now. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. He said, no, Florida is going crazy. Well, I hate to use uh, uh, Kamala's uh, favorite term of, well, let's study the root cause. What is the root cause of that comment you just made, Michael? <laughs> the, <laughs> the root, root cause. cause is the fear yeah. that these folks have put into our economy, our health care system, our economic opportunity. Uh, they've made us fearful so that we can be controlled more easily. It's the precursor of what socialism and Marxism is all about. Hey, on the plane to and from, I was reading a book from um, Robert Kennedy Jr. entitled The Real Anthony Fauci. I'd like to pursue it in more detail with you in upcoming shows, but I'm reading this now, and boy, does it open the door on what was the fraudulent behavior, the single biggest criminal in the United States right now is Anthony Fauci. If 30% of this book is correct by Robert Kennedy, Fauci should be tried for treason. And you know what the penalty is for that. Well, look, he yeah. has done so much wrong to steer us away from the efficacy of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine as a legitimate uh, uh, prophylaxis to cure us or to prevent the, the virus from infecting us when it was needed. And it turns out he was an investor in a product, I think it was made by Merck, uh, uh, called Remdesivir. And that product, Fauci, owns a significant percentage of the stock. How did the you rights do that? How do you do that when you are involved with the government? I mean, how do these people get away with this kind of stuff? But anyway, 20 seconds and left, another, that's it. I know you're, I know you're short, but I also, um, this um, uh, congresswoman from Florida that went silent when the Republicans picked up, um, oh boy, her name just uh, escaped me. She was popular under, uh, under the Democratic okay, majority. Okay, well, we we're going to have to go uh, here in just a second, so... Maybe All right, we'll, we'll bring her up week. again in the future. But okay. I just have so much more to share on the on the whole pharma issue. Okay, great. Gene Valentino, thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next Friday. Best to you, buddy. 7.30, bottom of the hour. Fox News break is next. Good morning, Friday. Friday.